Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. All right, welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Rick Morton along with my co-host, Phil Dark. Phil, it's been a long time, my brother. It sure has. sure has. As I look today, it's been about six months since we last released an episode and probably a little bit longer than that since we last recorded. Man, a lot's happened. Man, I, I've been missing the conversations with you. I know that. I know I've had like at least two people send me an email saying, hey, where are the, where are the episodes? Where are the new ones? So there might be a couple more in addition to that that have been waiting for us. But uh, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you today just about the upcoming season as well as your summer, Um, all the different things that have gone on. You've been in a few different countries, as have I. We've been to a few different conferences, and lots has happened. So tell me about yours. Tell me about the last few months. Man, it's been good. Um, You know, we have... uh We've I've gotten the opportunity over the summer to uh, to spend a little bit of time in Colombia um, with some churches that are really looking to engage um, well in Colombia in orphan care and and it's uh, man just so encouraged um, group of gospel coalition churches around Bogota that are um, that are looking to to see how they can band together. Uh, in order to begin indigenous adoption and indigenous foster care, working with um, you know with the the government there and and a number of private concerns and and it's just it, it's really man it's been great um, investing in some churches some some preachers that are just my kind of guys um, you know and 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 so finding those brothers and being able to invest deeply with them has been you know has been great we also. Uh, also got a, an opportunity to uh, to go and spend a little bit of time in uh, in Puerto Rico, and uh, we uh, through Lifeline's partnership with uh, with the Southern Baptist Convention with Send Relief, we uh, we went in as a part of Send Relief's efforts um, to um, work in the continuing recovery there in in Puerto Rico after you know after the hurricane and and it was just. Um, I have to be honest with you, Phil. It was a it was a really um, it was difficult, <laughs> mm. you know, to realize that here a, a territory of the United States, you know, something that's a that's a part of, you know, part of our nation. And uh, at the time that I was there, uh, about a month and a half ago, still um, thirty thousand homes without roofs, mm. uh, over over fifteen thousand homes without uh, without water. And, uh, and, and just realizing, you know, the desperate straits that, uh, that many of those, you know, those folks still continue to, you know, to be in and, uh, and, and really our, um, you know, our need to, to not forget that as, you know, as we're trying to, to be, uh, global in our approach to, to caring for orphan and vulnerable children, that there are, that there are kids that are in a context that is, probably a lot more like the places that we serve globally that's right here that's a part of our own nation where um you know where there are some profound needs and you know just have started to understand some things about the foster care system there and about the you know the early point at which kids age out and uh some things that are a whole lot more like global uh the global causes that we work in as opposed to you know domestic things that we you know that we tend to um 
you know that we tend to think about. So anyway, um, but have have met some incredible incredible folks along the way. I, I hope uh, Javier Vargas, who is uh, who's the the executive director of Adoptando uh, in Puerto Rico. I uh, hope to have Javier on and uh, be able to interview him sometime later this year. Uh, just a brother who um, who has adopted and and through adoption just really realized the need for um, ministering to to vulnerable kids and and to do doing trauma informed care in Puerto Rico. And they've got a they've got a really neat model. And so look forward to sharing that with folks and and just. Uh, yeah, so so it's been a little bit of a research summer, I guess, and spending mm. some time with some people that I hope to share. Yeah. How about you? Well, before we uh, get to me, I want to hear a little bit more about that. So you're talking about a lot of foster care work in, in different contexts. And so what, what have you seen in that in that regard as far as it sounds like Colombia is just getting started. Uh, Puerto Rico has a system kind of going. What What's the... What 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 kind of traction is that getting in these other countries? Because we hear about a lot of foster care going on uh, in different yeah, parts of the world. Know, it's I mean in 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 every instance. I mean, especially as you know, as we talk about uh, in in Colombia, it's I mean, it's very much in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a this is a concept that the that the government badly wants to implement, but they're um, you know they're they're woefully behind and. And one of the things that honestly has been been a neat part of that journey and a neat part of the conversation is the openness of the government to the church being a part of the solution to train foster families. Mm. And so where you know where we see a lot of um, reticence and and reluctance sometimes in in circles of of trying to maintain separation between church and state. Um, Colombia, for instance, there is there is a great level of acceptance of the idea that that the church is a is a major stakeholder in the community, and and that the church possesses resources that the state needs to avail itself of in order to be able to to meet the challenge of orphan and vulnerable children in their community, and so they they see churched families as a as a primary source of foster families. They see the church and the wraparound services that, that the church is able to provide for foster families as as a ready-made support system that they don't have to train up and that they don't have to they don't have to condition to come around those foster families because the church is already living in community like that and and so it, it's been neat and and you know really we have had the privilege and and, and part of where you know lifeline's been able to step into that is is to step in and, and and arm the church with the things that they need in order to be able to to do that training and to do that equipping of of foster families and so we've been able to add good um, you know TBRI training and trauma informed care training and and we've been able to take some of the best of of what we know for providing temporary care for children in in foster care that we've learned here in the states and been able to translate that into um, you know being applicable in in Colombia. The the other part of it is is there's been there's just a neat acceptance and and an understanding of the church of that being gospel grounded gospel founded ministry and so and so there we're really not we're not we're not really having the same conversations and the same struggles that sometimes we have here trying to help people to understand that this really is an outworking of the gospel um, and you know and and as as Columbia begins to particularly I mean they have they have a they have a, a they have a difficult situation on their hands anyway, but then it's compounded by, um, you know, by the things that are happening in Venezuela. 
and and their their border with Venezuela at this point is um, is, is basically open access for you know for just scores of refugees, and and so um, so the government is is not only feeling the pressure from the perspective of dealing with the children that they have that are indigenous. Um, but but they but they also have an incredible problem of unaccompanied minors and and vulnerable children that are you know that are crossing the border that are coming from from Venezuela and and so there's a there's a great opportunity I think for the church in that and and what's been really neat is seeing church leaders that get that and and so it's been it's been fun I hope to one of the other interviews I really you know am am praying that the Lord's going to allow. Um, to happen is is three pastors that that I met that are three of them are co-pastoring a church in Bogota, and and they really have embraced this and and just have a have a have a great plan for how they're mobilizing their church and uh, and so I'm I'm looking forward to getting those brothers on from uh, Renaissance Baptiste in Bogota later this uh, this season. You just wanted to say Renaissance Baptiste, I know. Man, like that, that and and like an order in a taco is about. Like my Spanish is terrible. Yeah. So, well, it sounded, it sounded more that French. It, it sounded like more French that, that, well, actually when you said yeah. it. But you know that's okay because it, it definitely yeah. didn't sound well, English. So that's good for someone from Alabama. So you know we got to take what we can get. Well, hey, so, someone from Alabama rarely sounds like they're speaking English. That that's so, actually true as well. So anyway, so yeah, so. I could keep going on that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the summer. You know, there's there's a lot of reasons why we didn't, you know, record over the summer. One, we want to take a break. We didn't think it was yeah. going to be this long, but several things have been happening over the summer. Um, in the in the the things that we knew about, there was the KFO summit that happened. I went to the Q uh, conference in Nashville as well. Rick and I were at the KFO together. Um, you know, there's been people at both of those conferences that, uh, that we met, that I met, um, at, at Q and that we met at KFO that, uh, hopefully will be guests on this show. And I was able to have a conversation with Matt Chandler about family. Um, that's something that, uh, we were talking about getting him on the show at some point. Ben Sass as well spoke at Q and hoping to get him on to talk about, um, a lot of the issues with government and, but also his personal story. Um, as well as, you know, just so many other people that uh, are in this orphan care space. We're hoping to get a show with uh, Kim, De- Kim DeBlaycourt and a team from uh, McLean Bible who have been working on some a project in Ethiopia. That's, that's, there's some, uh, some things going on there that uh, came out of this show when Kim DeBlaycourt was on it, you know. So we told that story a little bit towards the end of, of last season. So I'm hoping to get them on to tell the story firsthand at some point. So there's a lot of cool stuff that, uh, that we're hoping to get um, in, in this season that we're working on, some different interviews. We have a few in the hopper already that we're going to be uh, getting out to you. I'm excited for those. Uh, we're kicking off the season with Mike Berry talking about his book, Honestly Adoption. Well, him, his and uh, Kristen's book, Honestly Adoption, that has, has come out uh, I think it came out last month, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's a lot of really good stuff coming your way. But uh, yeah, this summer was full for me. It was full of uh, transition. Um, there was uh, some, some big transition with our organization, Providence. 
we were able to, uh, we, we've been growing, as many of you know, I mean, this podcast is an, is an example of the global impact we've been able to have as, as Providence World, as well as the book In Pursuit of Orphan Excellence, some of the trainings that we've been able to do in Uganda, Ethiopia, and Peru, um, and a few other countries, obviously Honduras. Um, and then we've also been overseeing La Providencia, and as both of those have grown, we've gotten to the point where we realize that we can't do both with excellence. And as we talk about, you know, if, if with collaboration, that is, you know, one of our core values, that's something that we talk about probably more than anything on this show. Uh, once we realize that, you know, we can't be a steward of both with utmost excellence. So what does that mean? What does that look like? And so we realize that, you know, we need to look for another organization that can take on uh, one of the two ministries and to realize that probably what I am hey, uniquely equipped to do in this space is, uh, is really on the, on the global side, uh, given the global network, given the work we're doing here on the show, given the, the training that we're able to do, and we can hopefully find another organization to be able to take on La Providencia, which we were able to do over the summer, um, to be able to take on the stewardship of that. So we found a great partner there to be able to collaborate with them. And we're hoping that that can also be an example for other organizations around the world to hold everything we have with open hands to say, it's not ours, it's God's. And how can we work together to, to do the best work possible. So we were able to do that and get that finalized uh, in September, which again is, is a transition that happened. You know, and I don't think it's any coincidence that God had that happen the same summer that I took my daughter and dropped her off at college. Um, because, you know, it was like kind of, it was give, you know, kind of giving away something that, that we've been building and we've been growing and, and that's been part of my life, such an, such an integral part. Um, and I didn't lose either Launching of them. Two kids, you know exactly, right? exactly. You know, and I didn't lose either of them. In fact, I just last week went and visited my daughter. Um, I visited La Providencia a month ago to talk with the team there about all the transition. But I was able to take my daughter to school, and then we were able to drop her off a couple months later. Able to visit her last week. My wife and I went up, and you know, it's it's weird. I'm not gonna lie. You know, it, it's it's a it's a <laughs> there's a tension. You know, she's my daughter. But she's on her own, kind of, but not really. And, you know, right when we get there, my wife and I left, and, and we love our daughter dearly. But we remembered, you know, the frustrations that we have in parenting a strong child. Um, and so, so it's, been, it's been a wild summer. It's been, you know, I got also was able to get uh, certification in the DISC uh, personality model of human behavior. And so that's one of the things that we're training on around the world and be able to do the organizational development, organizational health. We're working on one of the things we did at, at CAFO as well was uh, working with other organizations who are training organizations similar to what you're talking about doing TBRI training and other things to be able to come up with, you know, really map what the world has as far as trainers that are, you know, qualified trainers in, around the world to be able to train on these issues that will help us to be able to get organizations closer to the excellence that we talk about, the best practices that we talk about on the show and, and throughout the conferences that we're at. But most of these organizations around the world really don't know how to do it. And so whether it's TBRI training, whether it's you know training on transition to family-based care, whether it's training on best practices in the, in the orphanage context to move closer to family-based care, um, as we talk about it in pursuit of orphan excellence, uh, whether it's uh, organizational health training, well, you know, as we're talking about. So 
these are things that, that we're hoping to be able to bring to the orphan care community where most organizations you know, either aren't able to afford it or don't even know what they don't know. And so to be able to create a, a certification process uh, where we can have different tracks and concentrations, so those are things that we're talking about. We're hoping we'll be able to come to fruition in the next couple years. Um, that's some of the things that we're able to focus fully on now that we've been able to find a partner to be able to take on uh, the, uh, the stewardship of La Providencia on a daily basis. So it's been kind of crazy, man. And, you know, there's a whole lot more in the summer. You know, I got five kids, so I took one to college, but I still have four. So I still have a full-time job at home. Um, but, uh, which, you know, summers are always crazy in that regard as well. So thank you all folks out there. Thank you for your patience with us. You know, I mean, you have to have patience with us every episode, quite frankly. But thank you for your patience in us getting this back on track. And, and we are... We love this as much as, you know, I, I hope we, mu- we, I hope you love it as much as we love doing it. Um, because we have a, we have a, not only have a blast doing it, but we really, um, believe that this, these conversations are so critical to have. And I can tell you folks out there, I've been able to have these conversations, uh, with my, I'm teaching a class this semester at William Jessup University. Rick actually guest lectured one of the, one of the, uh, classes and you know my classes that they wish he could do it every week but i told them tough they're stuck with me for most of the classes but (laughs) but we are actually using these podcast episodes as you know the texts really for the class um which i i can tell my class every every day we meet that they're basically getting the best lectures from the master classes of this um this space on these interviews and so i'm just so blessed to be able to have this catalog of amazing people um that that uh god has been able to to put together through us so thank you folks out there for being a part of it and uh thank you again for the patience so so rick you know anything in there that uh you want to mine a little bit man um you know really i i was as you were talking about the the meeting even that we you know that we had at CAFO and and kind of the the subsequent, uh, you know, things that have, that have happened regarding um, collaboration, bringing you know, bringing together ministries to to share. I mean, we um, like I've seen fruit of that just this summer. Mm-hmm. We um, we've had the the privilege and 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 walked with uh, with Ruby and Lynn Johnson and 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 their their ministry, Lamb International, and really just sharing some resources. Um, they're sharing some resources with us. Um, but, but some places where, where we were, um, we were very much in a, in a place where we were about to, to launch as a ministry into, um, development of, of some training resources and some things. And, and we're about to, to begin to, you know, fundraise and, and, and to begin to marshal a team, to, to do something and realize through conversation with um, with Ruby and Lynn that they already had it mm. and that it was done in, mm-hmm. in some uh, life skills education curriculum that, uh, that that some of our partners just sorely need and 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 so in, in talking with them um, I mean they've they've just been incredibly open-handed and shared it and said you know we we just want to see that this goes to you know to a place where it where it makes application in the field, right? Um, and man, what a just what an incredible example 
of um, of some godly folks that are incredibly competent who are willing to you know willing to share deeply and uh, for those on uh, you know on the uh, on the listening end uh, that don't know Ruby um, you know Ruby is this consummate professional who's written standards for states in foster care and has written training protocols for uh, you know, for a number of states here in the U.S. for uh, for chi- for training um, child welfare workers, and 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 now is in retirement using the gifts and the experience that the Lord has given her in order to um, to bring that wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience to um, orphan care work among the nations, and and so some incredible curriculum building and um and literally something that is um you know thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of right. um you know worth of of stuff that they are they are just giving away left and right and 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 are and are not just giving it away but also are, are building capacity um among you know ministries to um to to use those things and and to do them well and and so I, I just want to give Ruby a shout out because it's that's been part of my summer, is uh, is is conversations that started around the table when uh, when we were talking about ways that we could collaborate with each other have resulted in uh, us doing just that and and so um, don't think we just get on here and harp about it and tell you to do it but we you know we're like we're the benefit benefactors of it as well and and right. you know God continues to bless our ministry. Yeah, you know, and that's something that reminds me that, you know, Ruby and uh, she's on the World Without Orphans team as well. And they're putting together a roadmap that I I look forward to getting uh, one of that team on the podcast to talk about that roadmap that they're going to be releasing at the forum coming up here in a couple weeks. When this releases, it'll probably be a week or two out. And so that's something that, you know, we're hopefully going to be able to work with World Without Orphans to be able to train up the regional ambassadors that they're putting together to be able to do the work like you're talking about, to get the stuff from Ruby. Now, you talk about retirement. I mean, she's traveling, I think, all but like 30 (laughs) days a year. Like, no exaggeration. Her and Lynn, her husband Lynn. That's really true. It is unbelievable. Uh, Like People people think you're kidding when you say that. And I think literally we, we... we talked about they spent less than less than forty days at home yep. last year. Yeah, I think she said thirty six or something when we were at KFO like two years ago, and then every year it's the same. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, and they are the real deal, man. They're going out and they are training on all these different areas. I was talking to Oleg, who's also with uh, World Without Orphans. I'm not even going to pretend to know how to pronounce his last name, and um, <laughs> he. He was saying that, yeah, Ruby came and gave us all this information and assessments and all these different things for organizational health and, and development. And, and so that's the type of stuff we're talking about, to be able to map and know that. So when you're in Columbia, you don't even have to you know, ask around. You have an access to either someone to talk with, like, who, who do we know here? Or there ideally will be a database that we can just you know, go to and be able to find you know, trusted sources, trusted curricula, trusted things that we can go to. So that that uh, we we're able to get people trained ideally in their own uh, cultural context by someone who's fluent in that culture and by someone who's fluent in their language. That's the ideal that we can get to that. And you know we're we're not too far off for a lot of the languages, um, but uh, 
but we got a long way to go to get the whole world. And so that's something that I, I look forward to. But like you said, I mean, when we can get in a room with people who care, you know, I had another room last week. I was out at, uh, in New York, the UN general assembly was meeting and we had some faith leaders there talking about how we can get more kids into families. You know, the UN, it's a 30 year anniversary of the, um, declaration of the rights of the child, I believe. And then the 10 year anniversary of, I'm blanking on exactly what the anniversaries are. But the, the idea that, look, we, we're saying these things about getting kids into families, but how can we really do that? What does that really look like? And, you know, one of the things that kept coming up is the equipping, the need to equip people to know what that actually looks like. Rather, we can have all kinds of mantras and mottos and say every kid deserves a family. Okay, but there's some realities in our world today that prevent that in a lot of ways. And some families that exist are so broken that these kids aren't really in families. So a lot of that's worldview issues. A lot of that's, you know, governmental issues. A lot of that's, you know, systemic injustices. Um, but uh, when you have broken worldviews and systemic injustice, that's not something that happens overnight. That's not something that happens just by saying, hey, every kid deserves a family that's healthy. So ship up or, you know, shape up, you know, whatever, or ship out. Um, that is, it's, it's a lot more difficult than that. So it's, it's equipping churches. There was a, there was a, um, Simon from uh, Kenya and he was talking about, you know, it, it's, it's on both sides too. He says, the problem is a lot of the churches in the U S or in Western world who are supporting the ministries in Kenya, he was speaking about Kenya, um, don't really understand. And he says, so when they ask me for a proposal, I'm going to tell them what I think they want to hear. So I'm going to ask them for an orphanage because I know they'll fund it. And I love the vulnerability. I love the transparency because it's so true. And that is on both sides because, and, and he actually knows and he actually understands, but I mean, I don't think, I don't necessarily think he was talking about himself, but that's really the, what's happening and why there's so many things that aren't necessarily best practice popping up is because people on the one side are afraid that they're not going to get funded if they don't ask for something that's going to care for a ton of kids at a low cost per kid because that's what they think everyone's looking for and they're just looking for the funding. And then the people on the, in the U.S. side aren't, aren't equipped to understand how to love and what, what it looks like to get kids into families. And that's why that is the best you know, for them. And you'd think it would be you know, just something that's a no-brainer and inherent in everything that we think and do as Christians, but you and I both know it's not, and most of you people listening to this probably know that as well. So we need to come up with ways, whether it's certification, that, that, can, that can act as a governing body to be able to know what trainings people need and to be able to tell the churches these people have been through this and get the churches through it as well, um, or just be able to really come up with uh, you know, trusted resources that will get churches and organizations on the ground through um, all the different areas, you know, so we actually define what those areas are to be able to really understand these things. Um, because yeah, that's you, that we got to do it together. You really hit on something. Like I want to make I want to make sure that 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 point doesn't get lost. I, I think it that we we have to get the churches through it too. Mm-hmm. That that's you know some of this is about is about changing the the expectations of those who are providing resources and those those who are enabling the work um, and and the best practice conversation doesn't just need to be had on the ground with with people that are that are hands-on doing the work we we need to do a, a, a much better job of having 
some really common sense best practice conversations with those who are holding the rope on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, because because many times the the failure of the work in the field is not because the heart to do the work in the field is 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 bad or wrongly motivated or unaware. It's it's because they're because they're they're ultimately uh, not supported. And right. And that, and that's you know we can throw stones and and say that you know we should be better than that and and all of those things but I think um, you know we who are in places where we have we have more and we have the latitude to be able to share the resources that God's blessed us with that it's incumbent upon us to be um, you know really to to be more um, engaged with. Um, how how those resources should be applied and unfortunately that's not the case a lot of times absolutely so, and i you know i i was talking to several people i was talking to my wife about it the other day that we really we need more prophetic voices in the church that aren't afraid to come in and speak truth in the midst of you know situations whatever they may be that are not you know really serving the orphan and the vulnerable in ways that are biblical, that are so clear in Scripture, and to not just have it be in a side issue, in a side ministry, or something that we're we're doing without really understanding it, right? You know, it's not being preached, it's not being yep. taught. It's it's just kind of if it's done, okay, cool. And if we have Orphan Sunday and Stand Sunday and all these different Sundays, then we've checked the box and we're good to go. And that's not going to equip. Same way, one training, you can't go to a training and be done, right? You have to actually learn how to learn. You have to learn how to understand these issues. That's what I talk to my students all the time. I said, I don't care if you know how many orphans there are. I don't care if you know all the little facts and the things about the 80% of, you know, kids in orphanages have living family members. All those things are important to know, like generally speaking, that there's a lot of kids who have living family members and things like that. But what you need to understand is how to address these situations, how to address these issues when you face them in reality. And you need to learn how to learn. You need to learn how to have a posture of humility, how to have a posture of learning, how to go in and listen, and what to listen for, and know what you don't know so that you can ask the right questions, so you can get the right information from the right people and know who those people are, so that when you're doing this work in the field, you're not just sitting there going, I got the answers, and so I got to use my, my body of knowledge, and if I don't have it there, I better guess. No, you need to know that you need to go, at, I don't know is a perfectly fine answer, and you need to go find that information. There's people and there's different people who likely will help you either find the answer if there is one or work through frameworks and processes. Or I was just in Canada, so you can say processes. And, um, <laughs> a. and Exactly, a. exactly take off, eh? And so, um, but you can, you can really understand the way to come to these answers. So anyway, that's the stuff that we need to be able to train up the churches so that when they're going places on trips, you know, we need to redeem mission trips too. I, I really believe that, you know, I think that there's been some great materials that have come out on mission trips and there's a lot of bad mission trips going on. 
um, because I think people just like to do what they've always done because they've done it that way and they want to keep doing it that way. And I listened to Brian Fickert's interview on this show again. And I encourage you folks, go listen to that again. Even if you listen to it three times. I've listened to that about six times and every time I'm like, dang, that was really good. But he said, you know, what he said was the biggest, one of the biggest issues we have with mission trips is that the customer is in the pews. And the, p- the people like the way it's being done been done and being done and they like the pictures and they like the stories and they like tangible products and rather than us doing what's right the customers in the pews so we need to get past that we need to really realize if we're going to do kingdom work we got to do kingdom work which is we serve a god of excellence and as we talk about if we seek perfection which god is we just might hit excellence so that's what we need to start talking about is ideals when people don't want to define family we need to define an ideal family so we have something to shoot for when we talk about fathers, we got to talk about the fact that most, most dads, most fathers are dropping the ball. Most males are being little boys. And what does that look like? So, just a couple little things to chew on, think about. So, anything else, Rick, before we go into... I got, I got one book that is the other reason why we haven't had a show for a while, because I read a book over the summer that was really long. So I'm going to talk about that, but... Uh, well, hey, guess what? I got, I got one, too. No, you Mr. don't. Mr. You, you liar. You don't ever think I have a recommendation? I do. Because <laughs> I didn't, save it I for later. Part of my summer. Should we save it? Because I have one today. I don't want no, you to waste no, it. No, 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 I don't no. Want you, no okay. I want to get this right out there. Okay. I want, no, I want to get this right out there. All right. Like, All right. Because I I spent part of my summer not not just reading a book. I spent part of my summer editing a book. Wow. So okay. Um, so okay. I, I stepped in. I stepped into a new role. Um, you know, having having written some uh, to edit somebody else's work mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so, uh, new book coming out. It's uh, it's going to be released uh, here just in a few weeks. Uh, called Image Bearers hmm. uh, by my uh, my boss, my friend, uh, my amigo Herbie Newell. Awesome. And uh, and and so even as you were kind of ticking through that list of things about um, you know men who you know who are living and acting like boys and. And the need for you know for us to think about the consumerism in the church and and a host of other issues. Um, Herbie has a pretty hard hitting look in his book, and and the the subtitle of the book is 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 moving from from pro birth to to pro life, and mm. and so this idea that how do we you know we've talked about this before here on the show, but how do we apply a a pro life ethic across um, all people? Yeah, because all people are created in the image of God, and and so he uh, he really kind of you know wades in and and uh, but it's a lot of biblically based wisdom and a lot of good cultural commentary and um, yeah, and I think I think folks would enjoy it. So um, like first week in November, um, awesome. go look and uh, you know Amazon and the other places where. Where you can buy books and uh, and look for image bearers by Herbie Newell, um, and there's a guy that you may have heard once or twice on a podcast that uh, that helped uh, edit that thing. So yeah, pretty proud of it. Well, and Herbie was also on this show, so, so you know, before he wrote the book, before he's the the big massive author that he's going to be, uh, he was on this show when he was just a little CEO of a little organization in Alabama. So folks, you know, you know where people get their start. That's all I'm saying. I'm just I'm just throwing <laughs> right it out here, there. Right I'm here. just throwing it discovered. out there. 
He was discovered right yes. here. Yes, I mean Orphan Rick. Podcast. Rick was already a I big known wait, entity because he listens to the Think Orphan podcast, and I can't. I cannot wait until he hears this, and he and I have to have a conversation. Yes. Well, hey, you know, I I am here to serve. I am here to serve. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about that. So Rick, as we know, was big time before the show. So he's the exception to the rule here. Um, but, uh, you know, he's the best-selling author of the, the number one best-selling book on orphanology. We've already had that discussion in the yeah, past. Yeah. So, so um, the book that I read over the summer, um, as you all know, when I say read, you know that it means I listened to two. Um, so it was Les Miserables. I mean, there were several others, but this is the one that, you know, kept me not, you know, being able to do anything else for a few months because I was reading this book. If you haven't read the book, I mean, I've seen the musical several times, watched the movies. The book You've blows sung them. the musical, be honest. What's that? What's You've that? sung the musical, be honest. Oh, I, I, I can do it You've right now. It. You want me to do it right now? I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. I've, I've no, just sung not, it. Not really. Not, okay. Not really. I could probably you, do you wanna, both, we both keep parts listeners. of Little Fall of Rain, but, um, but I'm not going to because that's something that is, is just special that wow. for, for certain special people in my life that I've done that for. <laughs> So, um, but, uh, it's a phenomenal book. It's a phenomenal book about adoption, phenomenal book about sacrificial love, um, biblical just themes throughout the entire book. It's really long, but absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I, you know, I'd heard that from people and I, I was just like, well, it can't be that much different than the other things that are out there. But uh, forgiveness, I mean, it just almost like every theme throughout Scripture, it, it covers and hits on. And it's just, it's just a beautiful story that Victor Hugo uh, wrote, you know, a long time ago. And uh, it's a timeless classic for a reason. So I could not recommend it more. Uh, it is really long. There are some, per- I, I, I imagine the abridged version that cuts out kind of the French history, maybe... You know, maybe you could grab that one if the, if it's too intimidating, but that stuff's really interesting and actually relevant as well in the build up of the book. So, anyway, folks, we're gonna have some other recommendations. Well, I'm gonna have other recommendations throughout the throughout the season. I don't, I can't make any promises for for Rick. I know he watched a movie. Lord at some willing, point if too. we're able to come I saw back it on Twitter, if we're yeah. able to come back, that's true. At some point, if we if there is an episode two of this season, yes, um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna delve into Downton Abbey. Uh, okay, the movie or the TV show? Yeah, because I haven't seen either, so I gotta I gotta know what I'm needing to watch. Oh, so so feel, 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 um, feel. yeah, is it pretty fantastic? Because you know I can. It it really is. I you know I I lampooned it in the beginning and and made fun of my wife and asked her like when are they finally gonna find downtown and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, exactly. Then found myself totally totally swept Hooked. up in the middle of. Okay. The hysteria and the characters and the movie is the, like, in my humble opinion, really good. So okay, um, all right, yes. Can we'll I just watch the movie? I know, and I know there are people out there. No, can I just to, watch the movie? Watch I can't. All, all of the all of the series. You have to watch all the all the series. Get the, get the DVDs from BBC or whatever and binge watch it. Watch the entire you series and then go watch the movie. The, the yeah, absolutely. So basically, we'll talk about it in season eight. Is what you're telling me? No, no. I like. I'm going to go ahead and talk about. The oh, okay, okay. You're going to talk about it anyway, whether I, I do it or not. Things, 
we're we're gonna go ahead and talk about the movie, and I, I just want folks to be ready, you know. So got it. Spoiler alert! Like we're gonna talk about it, but okay. you know, I, my friend, like I I love you enough to tell you you need to go watch the whole show. Okay, because I tried watching it and exactly. I I couldn't get past thirty minutes into the first episode. I'm not gonna lie. So, you know, that was the struggle. Both Beck and I, we we couldn't do it. So I don't know. I I mean, I can't. I don't think I'm gonna be able to get her to watch it again. So. I'm I'm watching something that's not quite as smart of a show I think and it's it's the, the show All American on Netflix which is pretty pretty great but um that's about sports and stuff that you know you kind of understand a little bit so um so we won't even get into all that because then we would have a much longer show today so folks listen up we got we're coming your way this season we are back we're going to have other episodes and I look forward to finding out who all those people are right along with you because we have a lot of people that we're wanting to get interviewed. Now that we're back on track, we're going get, to get them, get them actually interviewed. And I have no doubt that if we can get all the people that we're talking about getting, it's going to be you know, best season ever. So Except for season one when Rick was done and doing an interview on that one. But other than that, you know, he made that season. So that's why that one will always be number one in all of our hearts. So, um, but, uh, but anyway, so folks, you know, I just, you know, unless Rick, you have something else other than Downton Abbey that to talk about, uh, no, you know, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Just, all right. So just folks excited to be back, man. Yep. So thanks. Uh, thanks again for, for, uh, the download. If you have any suggestions for interviews, um, I know I've told you this before. We, we actually listened to them. Several of the, the guests we've had on this show have just, I, I hadn't even heard of them before I interviewed them. Um, well, I had heard of them before I interviewed them, but I hadn't heard of it before someone emailed me about them to interview them. And so I encourage you, send us feedback, send, you know, review us on iTunes, do it, you know, rate the show that helps to get it out there to more and more people, share it with others, because that's really the way we get it out to people. Word of mouth is our number one form of marketing. Uh, we do a little bit of Facebook, we do a little bit of other stuff, but word of mouth, you guys telling other people about it. Um, is really, and that's what we want you to do anyway, is tell other, pe- tell other people about it and talk about it. Talk about these issues with other people who are listening and are really engaging these issues because that's how some of these things are going to start changing. And, you know, if your church is one of those churches that doesn't get this stuff, you know, I encourage you to start talking with them, start having them listen to these episodes, uh, reading some of the books we're talking about, and, you know, engage us as well. Send us emails if we, if we can help in any way. So, folks, you know, I, I, I do pray, as I always do, that you take what you've heard today, that you go back and listen to some of the other episodes in the first uh, six seasons, and you really take it all, and you, you really use it to help you to understand how you can love orphan and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.